So many of the religions, they all say, you know, respect the man. That's just a misinterpretation. If you actually go into the dictionary, the word respect means to honor someone's needs and also to praise them, to appreciate them. But appreciation is not respect. They're two different things. Respect is when the way you treat somebody. Appreciation is how you respond when somebody treats you with respect. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Now that's probably one of the most well-known titles of books in our time. And it was written nearly three decades ago by John Gray, relationship guru, beyond expertise. And he has really worked heart-wrenchingly in the area of understanding the differences between men and women and getting us to work together, honoring our differences and our similarities at the same time. In today's Couch Talk, I bring you his wisdom, and we touch on areas that I guarantee you we have not hit on Couch Talk before. So guys in this audience, you are in for a treat. We spend a lot of time talking about what supports you and what you need, and as well, giving you the inside scoop on what supports us. We talked about male ejaculation and holding back ejaculation to increase our testosterone levels. We hit on the addictive nature of porn and what we can do about it. We hit on topics between the benefits of sexual health throughout our marriage and how increasing technique and communication in a healthy way helps us in the longevity of our relationship. And one thing that he says, he says, monogamy is the gift of freedom and teaches us a little bit deeper on how to really bring some depth and intimacy and connection into a marriage, doesn't matter how long we've been married, as well as understanding women's role reversal in today's time and day what that means to our energy, our feminine energy and our masculine energy, and how we need to balance the yin and yang of it. So I'm excited to share this information with you and enjoy this Couch Talk. Now, to give you a little background on John Gray, besides being the best-selling author for decades of Mars, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, his new best-selling book is Beyond Mars and Venus. And in this book, John Gray explains why being a man or woman in today's society is more nuanced and complex than ever. Yet, despite the changes, he says, men and women remain fundamentally different on a hormonal level. And what these differences mean in today's evolving relationships is pretty astounding. So I look forward to your feedback and your questions. Well, John, I've been so excited for this interview. I have to tell you, working up to it, reading through your materials and just listening to other podcasts with you being interviewed and just sharing your stories and your anecdotes. It's a thrill to have you. Welcome to Couch Talk. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Where I met you in person, it's been a few years now, and it was at a marriage and money conference in Austin, one of my favorite cities, with a good friend of mine, Christina Wise. And I got to hear you speak on stage for the first time in my experience, and just you enamored me. I mean, I just felt like so much love and compassion coming from you for couples, for women and men and understanding that, you know, I've been, I've been gratefully moved. And that's why I so wanted to reach out to have you here on my podcast. 
So will you share a little bit about your journey for your listeners from your first book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? Like, how did you even come up with that? And then to your new and latest book, spanning another couple, two to three decades beyond Mars and Venus? Wow, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. First of all, Men Are From Mars is not my first book. It's my first bestseller. <laughs> I had two books before that. But it uh, took a while to build up these ideas and to, to be able to express them in a way that people could understand and accept. Uh, because talk about male-female differences is quite not politically correct in many places. It sounds as if I'm saying we should be the way it used to be, where women are always cooking and cleaning and men are out in the world working and men make the money and women don't. That's not what I'm saying at all. And, and I wasn't saying it in that book either. I was just saying that when you're in a marriage relationship, an intimate relationship, it's based on a partnership. And when it's a partnership, as soon as you bring in the element of partnership, you're dependent on your partner for certain things. That's where the more traditional elements of women are one way, men are another. You'll see those differences more clearly once you're in a relationship where you depend on someone for something. If you're more independent, and you're a woman, you, you basically have both your male and female side. And if you're more independent as a man, you have your male and female side. But the problem today, over the last 25 years since I wrote Men Are From Mars, is with so much freedom to express our own uniqueness, uh, if you're a woman, to be more masculine, because it's within women, and for a man to be more feminine, it's within men. That's often not understood when I say for men to be more feminine. Feminine means to enjoy life more. The feminine side of us is the part that experiences pleasure and love and doing what we love. And men are doing too much of what they love. And women are doing too much of their male side, which is being independent, self-sufficient on their own and not feeling the need for partnership. See, that's our female side is uh, partnership. And in independence is our male side. And what we want, if we have a healthy balance, then we're interdependent, meaning that Sometimes I can depend on you. And if you're not there, well, I can take care of myself, but I'm still open to depending on you. You know, there's a, a dance there that we can rise to a higher level. And there's many new benefits of that. But this is chaos in relationships today. That's beyond Mars and Venus. It's this role reversal where men tend to go too far to enjoying their lives. <laughs> they can sit on a, watch football all day. You know, they can play games. They can be on the video. They can grown men just playing games all day or for hours. Another more challenging thing is the, the availability of, of free porn online. Hmm. Uh, this is uh, to a man, for men, most men, and particularly younger men, but also older men too, sex online stimulates huge amount of testosterone and dopamine. And as the, the average American man is getting older, or for the younger generation men, it's already happening, they're having lower testosterone levels. Mm -hmm. So they can't experience the power, uh, the stamina, the attraction, the juice that makes you feel like, you know, you're standing up straight. That's testosterone. You can't feel that in a normal relationship. Your testosterone is too low. So they go on to porn and it will knock it up temporarily. And then it brings it down even lower, kind of like a drug will make you go high, but then it makes you go low, lower. And that's what's, what's happening a lot to the males. And I'll call that, just for the point of clarity here, that's men being too far on their female side. It has its disadvantages. 
women go too far to their male side. Well, one just- second, John, I want to clarify that because that's such a huge point. It's something that we see very often, like in the medical, right, in the medical stance, looking at testosterone levels in younger males. And there's a combination of things going on now that we see. We see blue light affecting hormonal production of testosterone. So we're seeing that from electronics, gaming, computers, phone use, you know, artificial light. That's affecting creating a hypogonadism, so to speak, a low testosterone. And then the well-known association, but not well-known, that testosterone is decreased from porn. And that, again, less drive, less determination. It's initially increased, but over the long term, we can see that decrease in testosterone level. So then again, then that becomes, right, less male. That's right. That's what's happening today. And less male means that you become more female. And I teach a lot in China where they understand the yin energy and the yang energy. And everyone has both yin and yin and yang energy. But women have more yin when they're happy and men have more yang when they're behaving well. <laughs> so this is the whole dance. So when we're being emotional, whether it be positive emotions or negative emotions, the yin energy is rising. That's the feminine energy is rising. Now we can see that in our and the hormones is that when women have orgasm, for example, their estrogen levels hit the highest level. So estrogen is a very yin hormone. For men, also when they have their orgasm, the oxytocin causes the ejaculation, which increases estrogen, and they will feel a brief moment of ecstasy, of oneness, of surrender, of love. And that's a very addictive experience. It's fantastic. It's the grace of being married and having a truly loving relationship where you can sustain that experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, Couples who don't have good communication, they get into the role reversal. They can't maintain the ability to go higher and higher through sex. Sex is, to me, the greatest thing based on love. And we just have to see that sex for sex sake only brings our energy down. But when you make love, sex becomes a way to share your love and express your love. Because particularly for men, not so much for women, but for men, their high testosterone lowers estrogen. Okay, so they can not they don't feel as much emotion. But in sex, their estrogen levels go up along with their testosterone. So you get this beautiful balance of male-female energy that can occur if men have the skills for bringing a woman higher. If he doesn't have the skills, then it just becomes a pleasurable experience rather than a loving experience. And sex becomes the doorway for men to open their heart. Mm. Women don't understand this because women have to open their heart first before they fully enjoy sex. So it's the love that allows women to feel more sexually alive. But for men, it's a woman's sexual response. Okay, when he feels aroused by a woman, the energy is starting to rise up to his heart. And that's what opens the doorway for him to feel his love. And when men lose that, they lose the feeling of love in their relationship. They don't, they don't stop necessarily loving their partner. You know, you could have asked my parents who you know, stayed together, Do you love each other? Of course we love each other. But did they feel the love like they did in the beginning, which they felt a lot of when they're making love? No, they stopped having sex. And this is so common today. Mm -hmm. This is a, a possibility for us, but we have to learn how to do that. Because when women are too far on their male side, their estrogen levels start to go low and they can't fully enjoy sex. 
And when men are too far on their female side, men lose interest in the women that they love. Now, just to give the actual science of when we say that men's testosterone levels go down after porn, since we went down that alley for a minute, what happens is when a man has low testosterone due to blue light, due to feeling unsuccessful in life, due to not having a meaningful sense of purpose in life, due to not having discipline to do something really well, that increases testosterone, and also due to eating meats that have hormones added to them, and also eating vegetables and fruits and foods that have pesticides in them. They register in the body as estrogen. They're called xenoestrogens. That sends a message to the man's brain and says, stop making testosterone. Because when estrogen goes up, the way men are designed, their testosterone production goes down. But what will always increase a man's testosterone levels is feeling successful. And to the lower brain, if a woman undresses in front of you, you're a stud, you know, you're the alpha. And so her availability to him sexually raises his testosterone in that moment, increases the dopamine levels of excitement and passion. As an outcome of that is it desensitizes dopamine receptors and testosterone receptors. So literally now you have to make more dopamine and more testosterone to feel aroused. Mm -hmm. Now, why can't you then feel more aroused with your wife or with a woman you know even? Because when you care for someone and you love them, estrogen levels go higher and that lowers testosterone. So already the woman online that you don't love you don't know, you have no experience of, there's no estrogen being produced. It's all just pure dopamine and pure testosterone. And you get the drug-like levels of dopamine and drug-like levels of testosterone. Then once the drug wears off, you now have a brain which has been changed, has been rewired and can only be turned on to an impersonal relationship, mm. not to a personal. Because your wife, you love her. So your testosterone levels start to drop because the estrogen levels are higher. You have children, it's already shown scientifically, you get married, men's testosterone levels drop. You get you married, have children, your testosterone levels drop even more. But that's unnatural, that's just what's common. In my marriage, my testosterone levels and three daughters are 25 and 50% higher in my 60s than when I was in my 30s. And that is because we use conscious skills to maintain a polarity of masculine and feminine in the home. Outside, my wife's very masculine. She runs a business, she's doing all that stuff. But when she comes into the house, there's a, a way I treat her, which allows for her feminine side to come back. And when I can help her become more feminine, that means her love for me increases, then my testosterone increases because I feel successful. So this is the, this is the payoff of understanding how to create love in this new world that we've created. Well, tell us more about that. So how did you treat her when she comes into the house? Well, practical experience. Okay, first thing I always, usually I would come home before her. In the beginning, it was she would be home and I would come home, whichever it is. When she arrives home or I arrive home, first thing I always find her. I don't do anything other than find her. Just that makes her number one. That increases her estrogen that increases oxytocin, that she's not forgotten. She, I heard so many women in counseling say, oh, he ignores me, he neglects me. Because a guy will come home, just go sit in front of a TV set, go to his game, figures if she wants to talk, she'll find him. No, our job as men 
if we want to increase estrogen in our wives, is not to have her find us. That puts her and her male energy from you know pursuing us. Is she is pursued by me? So I find her first thing in the morning. I wake up. She'd usually be making breakfast for the kids. I'd get up first thing, go to her, give her a hug, a hug, physical contact, not just a little hug. It'd be a three to six second hug where I full body connection with her, not a sexual hug, just full body connection, and maybe a stroke of her hair, and maybe a compliment, or maybe I love you. And then when I leave, I'd find her. I'd give her another hug. When I come home, I'd find her. The kids would run up to me and want, you know, play with me. I, first thing I'd say is, where's your mom? After three weeks of making that change, whenever I'd come home, they'd always say, mom's here, mom's in the garden, mom's upstairs, mom's there. So they're also experiencing mom's number one. Mm. See, so many parents make their children more important than their relationship. This is a mistake. And then women need extra, extra attention now that they're in their male side throughout the day. And traditional women didn't need it so much. You know, they didn't feel neglected. They spent all day doing very estrogen yin activities of cooking and cleaning and talking with neighbors and having a community and sharing in the process of parenting and mostly being pregnant most of the time, feeding babies. These were all very estrogen stimulating activities, mm -hmm. nurturing activities. But today's woman's way on her male side. And she often doesn't want to come home and cook and clean anyway. You know, she wants higher level of estrogen stimulation, which is romance it's affection, it's good communication, it's feeling heard and seen. That's actually one of the key factors that's missing today, but longed for. Everybody says we need more communication. Lack of communication is a problem, but nobody knows how to communicate understanding the gender differences. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand the gender differences and that women have a greater need to feel seen and heard and men have a greater need to feel successful, Connection is a woman's greatest need. A man's greatest need is to feel successful. Success increases testosterone. Connection increases progesterone and estrogen, oxytocin, and all that stuff, which now we know hormonally is essential for women's well-being, not testosterone. You know, a little testosterone, they still need it, but nothing like the other ones. And if a woman has high enough estrogen, then her body can make her own testosterone at higher levels. But if she's working all day, that makes testosterone and lowers estrogen. But if she anticipates coming home, coming into a personal life, which mm -hmm. stimulates the female hormones, just the anticipation of that can keep her female hormones much higher throughout the day when she's being on her male side. So this is learning to balance the male-female energies. Yeah, especially in today's, you know, two couples working at the same time. Because I think, you know, I look back in, in my relationship, I was married for 15 years, have been divorced now for almost nine. And, you know, that as the primary breadwinner in a very masculine role, right, as a physician, gynecologist and obstetrician, surgeon, right, 24-7 on call. And I would come home and there would, you know, it's just that I, I don't think that I ever fully got out into the feminine role, even, even maybe temporarily when having children and when playing with the kids. And then it's like, okay, well, what, these are all these things that have to be done, just kind of a taskmaster. So for this woman coming home from this very masculine role, how does she change her mindset to teach, coach in that feminine aspect again? If she's a single mom or if she's, if she has to, what can she tell her husband to help her with this? Yeah, such an important message. And it doesn't make any sense at all. And people will say, it will sound sexist what I'm about to say to men or women. 
if we don't understand the new challenge that we have. So you can connect in two different ways. Okay, so here's, I'm gonna connect. This is, this is the woman, this is the man. Usually it looks like this, the man connects with the woman. He penetrates into her, that's connection. But there's another way to connect, which is where the man becomes the whole and the woman goes in. That's also connection. So the woman needs connection. She needs him to enter into her. And I'm not talking sex, we're using as a metaphor. Mm -hmm. when, when he has sex with her, he penetrates her. That allows her to go into receptivity. She's receiving. Mm -hmm. She needs connection. But if she's not getting enough connection at home, she will unconsciously seek out connection by penetrating him. So she will suddenly become very interested in asking him questions. She wants to know what he's feeling. She wants to know what he's thinking. It becomes about him and, and not about her. So she will either give more, do more. She will listen more. She will ask more questions. He's just sitting there happy watching a game. She says, how was your day? What's going on? He says, fine, good. No, then she feels disconnection. She feels unloved. She feels unsupported because she's looking in the wrong direction. She needs to create a setting because I'm not talking to men now. I'm talking, yes, as a woman, what can mm -hmm. you do? Okay. You've got to educate the man that you need connection. And the way you do that, here's one example, many, many examples, like with the hugs. My wife said, I need more hugs, four hugs a day at least. So it's a connection. You just, it's amazing how little things build up. It doesn't take big things to make estrogen levels start coming up. It takes lots of little things. So that's another concept for men to understand. You don't just do something big on our anniversary and then ignore her the rest of the year. I talk about scoring points in terms of estrogen points. If I take her, if I give her a hug, that's one point. If I take her to the movies, that's one point. If I take her to an expensive theater, the front row, maybe that's two points, but really one point. Okay, bring one rose, that's one point. Bring 20 roses, that's one point. They're all going to die in a week. So yeah, men have to be educated. Little things are just as important as big things. Okay, so men don't know that. They figure if I do something big, like share my income with you, or I did something important, that that's enough to keep you happy for quite a while. You should feel very appreciative and grateful for that. And yes, you are, but you need a lot of little things to stay in touch with the hormones of gratitude and appreciation and delight and happiness. And if you're working as a man during the day or traditional male activities, you need it even more. So it's a whole new level of what do women require in relationship. And she has to be conscious enough of this newness to recognize that it's going to look like I'm being needy or demanding, but this is what I need as a woman. But what he needs is he will do it, but he needs to be acknowledged and appreciated for it. He needs to see that it works. So communication in terms of him doing little things that say, I love you. Then the, the things he did when he dated you, the next level up is now the communication which is you can connect by asking him questions or you can connect by having him ask you questions. So it looks like this, how my wife educated me. I came home one day, she was so excited to see me. Oh, John, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to talk to you. And I'm like thinking something great happened. And always men perk up when they hear something great happens because if a woman is happy, then men feel more successful. That's just the way mm -hmm. we are. <laughs> and it's a little neurotic, but that's how we are. But if you're happy and what makes us happy, if you're unhappy, then we become like, well, why aren't you happy? You know, I'm missing out here. So men get defensive. They, they have to learn that another one of my teachings is that you can't make a woman happy. You can only help her to be happier, but she, it's her job. And yeah. for basically a good five, five days of the month, you actually can make her happier. 
I'm like really happy. <laughs> That's when she's most fertile. She's most excited to have enjoyed great sex. I can make her super happy that nothing else can go. So there is a place that we experience where a man can make a woman happy, but really we're making her happier. She has to find a place within her, but she needs help to do that, particularly the more you know, masculine she is, the more independent she is, the more responsible she is, the more, the more she faces risk and danger. These are all like the male side of us that challenge has confidence. I'm going to do this thing. Competence, skill, all that in the face of danger is big testosterone stimulation has to be balanced by showing the opposite of being confident is being vulnerable and not always making sense. Emotions don't always make sense. That's a key thing. And Freud taught us that, which is if you have one thing that's upsetting you, it makes sense why you're upset. Say you forgot your keys. Well, that's a 30 degree upset. But let's say you, you forgot your keys and you're late to an important meeting. Now you've got two things that are upsetting you. So your upset's going to be bigger and bigger. Then let's say 10 things happen today. Then you've got this string of things that are upsetting you. But if you're a woman and you're in a male environment, you've got to suppress all of that. Mm. You can't just be upset and let it go. You build up and build up. And now we have this compounding emotions that when they get expressed are irrational. That's the way it is. That's what, you know, nobody wants to say emotions are irrational, but emotions are irrational. And I spend all, you know, as a therapist, women will talk to me about emotions and they're all irrational practically. But at the end of the day, they're all rational again. She suddenly comes back to feeling happy again. And we have to realize that if somebody's unhappy and they talk for a while and then they feel happy, well, what happened to the legitimacy of all those unhappy feelings is there's no reason really to be unhappy if you've, done, if you've been heard. Because when women feel heard, again, she's been penetrated, connection occurs, restores balance to her hormones, and now she doesn't have anything to complain about. Life is what it is. And women have an amazing superpower to be happy in face of poop. You know, <laughs> they right. You have the ability, and men don't have that. What men have to do is sort of forget it, block it out, block it out. So we're always saying, forget it, don't worry about it, not important to me. We deny things in order to focus on things to make us feel good. That's our natural tendency. Women have the ability to see all the problems and be happy, or to see all the problems and not feel connected, and then be very unhappy. So connection is so important for women. That's the female hormones. We can just measure it. So next, what she has to overcome is here she is this competent woman, and now she has to reveal that I'm, I'm insecure, I'm afraid, I feel sad, I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed, I'm irritated, I'm angry. You know, all these sort of things that she would actually be very judgmental of if a man expressed. She doesn't know that if she expresses it, a man goes, oh, she needs me. Mm. You know, it's like, when I talk about dating, I point out most women when they're dating, not all, but most women will say they want a man who's taller than her. They want a man who's stronger than her. And most men will say they want a woman who's smaller than her and less strong than him. Why? Because a strong man, tall man, can protect a woman. If he's short, maybe she has to protect him. Now the relationship is mother to child rather than woman to man. So there's a dynamic of when men feel stronger, they want to take care of you. So when you're vulnerable, it's like, I need help. I need something. And that makes a man feel, I have a job. I have a purpose. I have a mission. I can help you. You depend on me. I have the power to make you feel happier. And so I'm saying this because often when women share emotions, they feel like, oh, I'm showing weakness. 
men love it because it makes men feel strong. It makes them, when men feel strong, their testosterone goes up. They want to do more for you. They, you know, you become like, oh, I have to take care of her as opposed to this strong woman who can do everything. It just makes men lazy, literally mm-hmm. makes men lazy because they're kind of waiting for what's the big emergency? What, what, when am I going to be needed? And then what they'll get confronted with is often complaints, which only makes a man's testosterone go down as opposed to requests that come from a place of I'm a happy woman and I want more to be happier. So that's, that's the place where you can ask for more as a preference rather than a complaint. Complaints just push men down. But when women are way on their male side, their emotions of all the day are building up, building up, building up. Then there's another concept besides compounding emotions that Freud explained to us. So in one, one perspective, they're crazy. They're irrational. Another thing is they're valid. It's understandable if you know all the things that happened to them that day, then you can realize it happened that way. Then the next thing that happens that Freud explained was that it gets displaced. You're holding it inside. It suddenly gets projected onto everything around you, particularly to the person who loves you the most. Mm. So it gets dumped on your partner, meaning your mind will suddenly find, let's say you got 100 degrees of upset from 10 different difficult things. 100 degrees of upset, and then it will find something wrong with what he did and be 100 degrees upset about that. So your mind will start start looping, looping again and again, looking for validation of all these feelings, when really the feelings come from 10 different things during the day. Now, you add that up to weeks and months of pushing it down, pushing it down, because you don't want to feel weak. You don't want to look irrational. And there's logical reasons why you don't want to look that way. One is if he did that, you would be disgusted by it <laughs> to a certain extent. Another one, or you'd feel like you have to be his mother and worry about him all the time, be another problem you have to take care of. But another very common reason why women won't share their feelings is if you do, a man will just interrupt and say, what's wrong with you? What's the point? Why are you telling me this? Why don't you just forget it? Why are you doing that job anyway? You could, you know, He'll invalidate you and his intention is thinking that if you can just think differently, you'll feel good. So he's going to tell you how you should feel, which is the worst thing to happen if you're opening your heart. Mm. So men don't know how to listen. Women don't know how to share. It will usually come up as a complaint rather than about a, an assortment of things that have happened during the day. It takes a lot of courage to share your vulnerability. And women are not taught how to do that. Men are not, not taught how to create a safe space for women to be vulnerable. And then a real reversal starts to take place. As she starts to suppress her feelings, he want, he's a man. He wants to connect to you. So the only way he can connect to you, if you're holding it inside, is to open up his hole and share what's inside of him. So he'll start complaining more. He'll start whining more. He'll be upset about things more. He'll get angry more. What people have to realize is if you're on your male side, a man, the only way he can connect with you is to go to his yin side, his female side. Mm-hmm. If a man's really on his female side, the way you connect with him is you want to mother him and take care of him. And then you become, in a sense, disgusted by him. And women, the repulsed is kind of the word that women, their husbands will start whining and complaining and that woman will be repulsed and then feel guilty about being repulsed because she doesn't want someone to be repulsed by her. So she'll compensate and even ask more questions and try to be more interested when really she's like, ugh. So then she, her mind becomes, I have so many things to do, I can't do this. So those, there's so many modern problems that are happening today because we don't understand this basic thing that women need more connection. How do you connect with her? 
by affection, by compliments, by seeing her, by serving her, doing things for her. And if he doesn't do things, she has to be equal partner and learn how to ask, ask for this, ask for this as a preference, not a demand. But what I see the real power for women comes from being vulnerable, getting back in touch with what's inside and facing that. And in the beginning, that's what women came to me for therapy for, is that they knew I was safe. I wasn't going to judge them. Because most men will judge you if they don't understand how emotions work. Just being able to talk about emotions will go to a deeper and deeper level. And then your heart opens again, and there's nothing to complain about. There may be some requests, but there's nothing to complain about. So happiness comes when women can go through a wave of what they're unhappy about without a man feeling blamed. So the first step for her is to move on to her girlfriends. Find girlfriends you can talk to and share. If you don't have girlfriends that can listen, you go to a therapist. And they're supposed to be able to listen. Not all know how, but they're supposed to. Then you go to a girlfriend. You journal it. Then you, you reach your husband. So my wife says to me, she says, oh, John, I'm so happy to see you. I want to just tell you what happened today. I want to feel connected to you. I said, okay, but you don't need to say anything. Just listen. Don't even speak. I just want to talk about it. And I'm going to talk about some upsetting things, but I'll feel better later. Like I had to have an education here. And I'm like, okay. Then she was so happy to tell me about all the bad things that happened that day. I was so frustrated. They're making me do this. They don't appreciate me. The machine broke. I didn't know what to do. I wasted all this time trying to do this. She's telling me all this stuff. And, and I start to want to interrupt. She says, no, no, don't say anything. I'm going to feel better later. I just want to connect with you. I want you to, I spend all day at work and you're all day at work. We're like so part, apart from each other. I want you just inside of me. So she did this for about 10 minutes. Then she said, oh, I feel so much better now. And I just want, you know, I love my job. I don't want to quit my job because every man always wants to say, quit that job. <laughs> so, and then she'd go in. She just gave me this wonderful hug. Like I saved her, you know, and she gave me this hug. And mm, it felt so good just to share everything. Like I don't have to edit anything with you. Thank you so much. And then she gave me a squeeze and went into another room. And I'm standing there like, what just happened? I did nothing. And she's happy. She was happy. Now she's happy. I didn't have to give any advice. And I job. I can do this. I could do this. And it turned into, after many years, where I could actually get turned on sexually when my wife was complaining about stuff. I mean, it was an amazing because she felt free to unburden herself. And I knew that it was going to help her. So if I know it's going to help her without saying anything, just my presence, you know, people talk about being present. That's what this is about. But that's particularly for men to be present, fully there for a woman in the moment, not trying to change or fix or anything. But for women, it's to be vulnerable, to reveal what's inside. And, you know, ironically, vulnerability is always associated with sharing what's deep inside that you don't want to share with anybody else. That's intimacy. But also being happy is being vulnerable. When women are happy, truly happy, it means they're in touch with, I have what I, I know what I need and I have it. And when they're sharing what they're not, what they're upset about, they're also being vulnerable, which is what I need most is safety in order to share who I am, that I'm still loved. So both sides of the spectrum is vulnerability. It's not just sharing negative emotions, but sharing positive feelings is vulnerability. But you can't fully feel your positive emotions if you can't fully feel your negative emotions. And women today, as a doctor, you know, women have challenges with their estrogen levels. It's basically they're having to be on their male side where they can't 
do things, think things, respond to things in a more feminine way. And what we're teaching women today, what I'm teaching is that the higher level of femininity now is being totally naked, vulnerable with your emotions. That should be the precursor before you become physically naked with your partner. And if you can be emotionally naked with your partner, then, and that turns him on, you will have great sex the rest of your life. Passion will they be there. Yeah, I think that's crucial because that's what we're looking for. And I love how you talk about this in, in your new book, Beyond Mars, Mars and Venus. Venus, and about that change, about that shift, right? That whole sense of we are higher because we don't have our basic needs are met. So we're going up to higher levels of consciousness and the emotional availability. But being vulnerable as a woman, especially coming from that masculine to feminine, that has to be a discipline and a practice. So I am writing that one down to make sure that I check in there. <laughs> and you know, when you say discipline and practice, usually what it really means is you have to use willpower. That's what discipline is. Oh, I, it's like people who don't like to go to the gym. Oh, I have to go to the gym. It doesn't feel good to get up and go to the gym. But once I'm there, I feel better with diet. You know, oh, I want to eat this junk food, but I'm not going to eat the junk food. I'm going to eat this other food. I'm going to take the time to cook the food. That's hard to do. It's not what I want to do. So we have to realize if we just, if we expect this to be something I want to do, something easy to be done, not, it's not going to work. Because everybody says to me in resistance, these ideas, is what doesn't feel natural? I want to do what's natural. And if you're eating sugar, it feels very natural to eat more and more. <laughs> but it's not the right thing. So sometimes what feels good is really good for you. And sometimes what feels good is not really good for you. And you have to know the difference. And the way you know as a woman, you're too far to your male side, is the symptoms go something like this, which is you feel overwhelmed. You feel like there's never enough time because you made choices that made your life really, really busy. That feeling of I have to, that's male side. You know, the iron here is when women are unhappy, there's always I have to, I have to, I have to. When men, when men are weak, it's like men are not willing to say I have to. When I feel I have to do something, it gives me strength. That's where I am. I mean, I have to get up and work. I have to do this, which becomes a problem. You know, I'm 67 years old. My friends are all pretty much retiring now. They have nothing they have to do. Their testosterone levels are just dropping. And to stay alive, I have to do stuff. I make commitments so that I have to follow through. That feeling of I have to do this is what keeps me young and healthy and vibrant and so forth. And even for sex, there's certain things I have to do outside the bedroom to make sure she's getting the nurturing she needs to feel soft and feminine and happy then I get what I need in the bedroom. Then once you're in the bedroom, I mean, this is, I don't, I have a book called Mars, Venus in the Bedroom, which teaches men what you have to do if you want your wife to be happy and enjoy sex. You have to do certain things. And have to is a good word for men, not such a good word for women. So when women are overwhelmed with things they have to do, that's a sign they're out of balance. And generally what will put you into balance, you'll have a lot of resistance at first, and then it will feel good. And that could be romance, that can be good communication, that could be doing things in the garden, doing things you like to do, things that are slow, things that have no risk involved with them. These are more yin, feminine type experiences. We have talked about so many things and I want to hit on a couple, I want to go back a little bit and hit on a couple things while we're in the bedroom, so to speak. You talked about heightening her experience in that. So we want to read 
the men are from Mars, women are from Venus in the bedroom, right? We want to read that book. Mars, Venus in the bedroom. Mars, Venus. Okay, Mars, Venus in the bedroom. That experience of raising her vibration, because so often we hear about sexual intercourse, and I, you know, it's mostly like sports sex versus energetic sex versus bringing in that hormonal connection. In the Bible, it says we become one flesh, right? That's an energetic connection. And so I love that you bring up just raising raising the energy of the intimacy and the connection. So it, It's an energetic polarity. And the two polarities that we have, if the yin and the yang, the opposites, the night and the day, is in sex, there's the giving energy and there's the receiving energy. And if a woman's over on her male side, she's in her giving energy. Now that seems paradoxical to women because they always feel like, oh, I like to give, I like to give. Yes, that's your male side. Now, it's healthy. It feels great to go to your male side if you've just received. So if I've just received something, then I want to give. And then it's the giving that makes you feel fantastic, but only if you've received. But the brain goes, oh, I'm giving. I must have received. A little confusion goes on because there's an association. Women want to give when they feel they receive. It's reciprocation. So if a woman's already on her male side, that means she's been giving all day long. It's very hard to make that adjustment to coming back to receptivity, letting someone enter into you, letting yourself feel your pleasure, letting yourself relax and not having to give. Not having to give is very feminine. You have, you're receiving, someone's doing something for you. You know, this is like as simple as asking a man to open the car door for you when you go on a romantic date. You kind of, some women feel, oh, I can do it myself. Yes, you can. But what I would say to my wife is, honey, tonight's special. You give so much to so many people. Tonight, let me give to you. So it's not like she doesn't stop. She stops giving. It's just learning to balance receiving with giving. So in the bedroom, often a man has been, you know, basically he's way on his male side all day long. He'll want to go to his female side to find balance. So men are, sex is feminine. Okay. Sex is connection, right? So Men are on their male side all day long. How do they connect back to their female side? It's pleasure. It's connecting with her. He's, he's now, he's going to go over to his female side, literally going into her. He's coming to his female side that way. So men come to sex often horny, needy, wanting. It's about, I want to receive. I'm taking, I'm excited by your body. I want to see it. I want to touch it. It excites me. So it's a lot about him, him, him. And she's coming from a place of giving all day. So she just keeps giving, giving, but she's not receiving. So you start out that way. This is called polarity sex. You just start where you are. You don't try to change where you are. So he gets excited and he know, and she's satisfying him. She knows how to satisfy him up to the point where he says, stop, puts her hands back. And he, that's the point where he's going to have an orgasm soon. So he just puts his orgasm on the shelf. Says it's going to be another 20, 30 minutes. Just put it over there. Pretty much my needs are satisfied, except for the big explosion. So now he's going to shift gears and give totally to her, start over. And she's just been giving. So now she feels like, oh, I gave to him. Now I can receive. So she can more easily relax if she just sort of starts out giving. She sees I made him so happy. Now she can, the reciprocity as I gave to him, her body will now start to open up. And he takes a good 20 to 30 minutes of stimulation of her sexual parts and so forth kissing, touching, all that, and then going down south, all those things for at least 20 to 30 minutes. 
And, you know, if you're a surgeon all day, you might need 40 minutes. You know, you got to understand this until your body gets into the rhythm of anticipating a climax every time. You just, it doesn't have to be every time, but anticipating getting what you need. Because the more a woman anticipates getting what she needs, the less dominant her male side becomes during the day. She can be on her male side, but her yin energy is also up. For me as a man, you know, I'm practicing balance all the time, always when I'm working, because I'm disciplined, I know, I have a goal, I'm missing it, and I know people love me, and I love people. I do this because I want to help. For me, I can't even, I don't even need the money. You know, I just get up every day because I have to save the world. <laughs> Purpose-driven. Yeah, and my, my friends who work primarily for money, once they retire, they have enough money, they just go down because they don't have that momentum of why am I doing this in the first place? That's the balance of yin and yang is doing it for love and also loving what you do. That's another, you know, these poor guys that are guys that do a job their whole lives and they don't love what they do. They just can't wait to stop. And then they say, oh, I love to play golf. So now they're going to make up for all the time that they didn't play to find balance to their hard work jobs. And their testosterone goes down and literally her risk, their risk of heart disease dramatically goes up. So anyway, that was the sex talk is polarity. Start out where he is and give to him, let him receive and up to the point where he hits a plateau where soon he'll have an orgasm. Then he puts it to the side and now put the arms back and she's not allowed to give him anything. She's only to feel, to breathe and to feel pleasure and to guide his hands where they need to be. And the way you guide is with sound. You move them and you make a sound. And then once you make a sound, his one instruction in sex, which is if she's making a sound, repeat. <laughs> you could even say repeat <laughs> or continue. Because men just, if they get a sound, they go, okay, I hit the jackpot there. Now let me go on to the next and the next. Whereas women need repetition. As long as she's feeling excitement from something, it needs to be repeated, 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 repeated. And he needs to hear feedback and also feedback that says continue, continue, continue. Otherwise, men go, okay, that was good. Now where do I go? Where do I go? He, he needs those messages until he really understands a woman's body. And we don't. So this is a lot of education when it comes to sex. And that feminine responsibility, right? To seek and to express what is giving her pleasure, to know her body, to know what pleases her and be able to communicate that as well as what doesn't. I teach a program called Sexual CPR and I have a masterclass called Help Doctor. My sex drive has no pulse. And the one thing, like it was like a big eye-opening thing, the number one, and tell me if I'm on track here, but the number one thing men want that is their biggest turn on is her happiness, is her enjoyment. Completely. And women are not aware of that. Oh. Her pleasure is what makes him feel successful. It's the number one thing. I started teaching classes in 1979 on enlightened sexuality. And it was all the big revelation there was I have people talking what makes sex great for them. Everybody would talk about their sexual experiences. And everybody's astounded that for men, what makes sex great is her happiness, you know? And for women, what makes sex great is his affection, his touching, his skill, his connection. Exactly. Women were going, oh, it's, it's, I can be selfish in sex, you know? That's really what it's about. It's a time for her to shift from being giving, 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 back to receiving, receiving, and receiving. And the beautiful thing about men and women is when she receives, he wants to give more and more and more. That's his goal. So sex is a beautiful thing with your CPR. I like that. When you've yeah, lost sexual CPR. <laughs> That's, great. That's great. Well, and the other thing is like putting it simply like as a woman, I have to think, okay, the three things my man needs, he needs to have a good occupation. 
so successful, you say, be put on a pedestal and sex. So think of nurturing those needs. Is that correct? Yes, yes. I, I put it in a slightly different terms, which are the terms of uh, trust, acceptance, and appreciation. Mm-hmm. Now, women need all those things too, but men need it more. Because when, when you say put on a pedestal, actually, I think the woman should be on a pedestal, but the pedestal that he's on is like a statue of look what I've done. When you look up to a statue, you're giving trust. This is someone I can depend on. But the enlightened woman says, I can depend on him, but I also accept him, which means he's not perfect all the time, but I trust that he's doing his best. I trust that he deeply loves me, even though it may not always look that way. It's that sense of trust and acceptance means I don't have to always be perfect, but there will be acceptance. You'll be able to let it go. And the, the, the crowning thing is appreciation, is that he makes her happy. So those three things are the biggest testosterone producers there are. And the flip side of that is what produces the feminine hormones more is caring, being considerate, prioritizing, uh, not so much just accepting, but understanding. That's the validation of understanding. And the third is respecting. You know, so many of the books I feel mislead people when they say, oh, what men need most is to respect them. Well, yeah, everybody wants to be respected. But whenever you see a dysfunctional man, you'll see him demanding respect. He's like, I, you must do what I say, do what I say. It's because why? And everybody does do what he says, but it doesn't help. He's like a dictator. He's like insecure male demanding, you know, that he doesn't have to be accountable for anything. He, whatever he says goes right. It's men, well, when they're out of balance, they'll say, I want respect. But what they're missing is appreciation. They're insecure. They feel that they're not making a difference. So they want the outcome. If you appreciate me, then you'll respect me. But it's the appreciation that feeds the testosterone. The respect feeds the estrogen in women. When you prioritize, when you validate, when you do things that you don't want to do, happily do them for her. That is respecting others. The easiest example is when I get up in the middle of the night to take care of a child who needs to be held. I don't want to get up, but I happily do it because my child needs it. That's respecting another human being. And that's what's been missing for women. And so many of the religions, they all say, you know, respect the man. That's just a misinterpretation. If you actually go into the dictionary, the word respect means to honor someone's needs and also to praise them, to appreciate them. But appreciation is not respect. They're two different things. Respect is when the way you treat somebody. Appreciation is how you respond when somebody treats you with respect. Mm. But they're really clear, they're yin and the yang, and we don't have the clarity. So women have to prioritize their needs, not always prioritize the man's needs. The man needs to prioritize her needs over his own, and then he can come back to his own. But this is the, the bottom line. If my wife needs to talk and I need to talk, who gets to talk? She does. That's a priority. And a lot of these Men today, when we think that sex is, there's no difference between men and women and what are the differences and what are our different priorities and so forth, a woman will start to complain. Then a man will say, oh, that's three complaints. I've got six. And he'll, it's like ping pong. She complains, he complains, she complains. And now there's a big argument. Or she says, you're not listening to me. He says, well, you're not listening to me. And clearly she's not listening to him. But that's not the time to bring that up. And she can't hear what he's saying if she's not feeling heard. Emotions first then her heart is open, then you can talk about things and you won't do it in a defensive way because you're feeling loved and supported. 
So these are like new ways of dealing with situations because we have a new challenge, which is helping women come back to their loving side, helping men come back to their confident side is a new dance that we have to learn. Because it's so easy for men to slide over to having fun and women to slide over to the male side and be stressed out. You bring in so clearly how it's important to highlight those differences and the polarity within ourselves, the feminine and the masculine, and that we need that balance. I mean, women and men are different. <laughs> you, we've got that established. So bringing that into our modern day. In addition that I have not fully written about, I have my basic polarity sex, which allows sex to last for a lifetime. But there's other skills as well that the world wasn't ready for when I was teaching my classes. And you just have to wait for the right time to teach. And I think it's the right time now. There's several books written on this. I haven't written mine on it. But it's how to have sex so that a man doesn't ejaculate. Mm -hmm. How men can learn to have orgasm and orgasm and orgasm and orgasm, but not ejaculate. Ejaculation is like the deepest addiction you could have. And men have that. And when a man doesn't ejaculate, but learns to orgasm without ejaculation, then he wants to have sex with love every day, twice a day. And when a man has that much desire for a woman, she will have reciprocal desire for him. That's really the ultimate of keeping the impulse alive in women. And let me put it this way. If we use Freud again, which is conditioned response. Now, people understand psychology, understand conditioned response. I'll just say for those that don't. If I go into a dark room, the pupils will expand. And then I go out of the dark room, there's light, my pupils will constrict. All right. I'm actually, they, they, can, they expand in the dark and they constrict when there's a lot of light. And if I ring a bell every time I go into the dark room, then when I go out into the light, if I ring the bell, my pupils will open up again. That's conditioned response. Most commonly known as Pavlovian response was a dog's eating food. You ring a bell. And then the dog's not eating food, but you ring the bell, the body will start to salivate. That's an unconscious response. Well, sex is an unconscious response. So it's very conditioned. So if every time a man has an orgasm, his estrogen levels shoot up, he will now associate sex with his wife as high estrogen and low testosterone. So he will start to feel tired, even the thought of having sex with her after having lost his testosterone levels a hundred times or three times, whatever it might be. He's now conditioned response to, if I have sex with her, I end up feeling tired, so I'll feel tired now. But the woman online, I've never had sex with her before, so I have no conditioned response to not want to have sex. So men online, they see, will go from one woman to another to another, never the same one. They have to have a new one. Now for a woman, she has a conditioned response. She opens her heart fully at this peak of estrogen. He has his peak of estrogen as well, causing the contractions, oxytocin. So here this man has his closest moment of connection, and then he pulls away. So she has a conditioned response that if I fully open my heart to him, he will leave me. So she's always on the edge of caution of opening her heart, because if she goes to the high place of opening, of oneness, of surrender, of feeling just this, you're mine, I'm yours, we're together forever. That's the feeling of orgasm. When you're in that place and then suddenly your partner goes, you now have a conditioned response of not opening up. So then women lose that impulse to have sex. But if a man can experience, and he doesn't have to do it every time, but if he has the experience of many, many times taking her to orgasm without him having the ejaculation, then he doesn't depart from her. 
it's an act of will to stop having sex. I mean, you just want to go on and on and on till you're sore the next day. So you learn to regulate how much time you have sex, not because the man ejaculates and it's over. So this is like a whole new thing that can really keep women's pulse going is to know that man has unlimited un <laughs> desire ready to go at any time. But she also has ready to go because she hasn't lost him every time. So this is a new concept. It takes time to teach men how to do this. It takes a big story to get to that point. Well, and I've heard about this. So that just, you know, holding back ejaculation and definitely in sports, right? Like no sex prior to the big game, right? Let's hold it back. Let's get the testosterone going. And Can I so correct that? let me correct that just real quick. The professionals, I asked some of the professional basketball players, I said, do you not have sex before the game? And they said, yes, but always with a whore. What? Why? Because they have no estrogen with a, whore, with a prostitute. If it's a woman I don't know, my testosterone doesn't go down. If it's a woman, my wife, they said, but my wife, I'll feel like I want to make friends with everybody the next day. Because mm -hmm. the love has increased through sex, which lowers the testosterone. Uh, that's terrible. That but terrible. they could learn story. Yeah. Shocking, but they can learn this delayed ejaculation or just to be able to pause it orgasm without ejaculation so that they keep raising their testosterone. And as they learn that, right, they'd be able to come off the porn addiction. How do you counsel men you know, off the porn addiction? It's a gradual process. It's got to give the big story of Mars Venus or testosterone, estrogen, and so forth. You have to understand that the concept of impersonal sex, which is internet porn. Impersonal sex takes away estrogen, takes away the love, takes away the feeling of love and surrender, okay? So if I'm with a real woman who I care about, the estrogen's there, I have to have really healthy testosterone levels in order to maintain attraction. But online, there's no estrogen being produced. So if I have low testosterone as a man, because there's no estrogen, it can shoot up really high. Then when it shoots up really high, dopamine levels go very high. Addiction. So it's like taking cocaine. Now, what people have to understand the way the brain works is if my brain has cocaine, it's a higher dopamine stimulator. Then what happens in the brain is your dopamine receptors disappear. So you lose 30% of your dopamine receptors. They just go to sleep if you have cocaine. And the brain now cannot experience the same level of happiness it could before without the super high level of stimulation. So the brain, in a sense, gets rewired and can only become excited if it's the high dopamine stimulation. And a real woman, unless it's the first time, cannot stimulate that super high level of dopamine stimulation. What has to happen in order to cure that is abstinence. You just have to abstain because if you stop looking for higher stimulation, then gradually those little receptor sites will say, oh, give me some stimulation, and they'll start to open up again. So it's an act of willpower to abstain. And you, you only have that willpower if you recognize that this is a solution to the most important thing you can learn in life. Would you like to be turned on with a big erection every day till you're 90 years old? You can do that. This is within your power right now. And you can maintain attraction to one woman. Many men think, oh, I can't stay attracted to her because the same thing. I'm talking 34 years and my wife, you know, all she has to do is put her hand on my thigh or show me some cleavage and I'm ready to go. You know, she has to dress in a different room <laughs> it's just, if she's not in the mood for having sex. So it's, 
this is what can happen for men. But what happens is the brain gets rewired to depend on this high level of dopamine and a real life experience can never produce that much dopamine. And so you bring your sensitivity up. So now real life gives you the, the same level of pleasure that that high level stimulation produce. So it takes abstinence of internet porn and abstinence of masturbation. So this is where men can practice every day, not looking at porn, not looking at any kind of stimulation, and they do solo masturbation if they're having an erection and want to have sex. You can't look to stimulation. You have to wait until your body says, I got to do it. Now you have a natural urge. Then you practice masturbation for 30 minutes without ejaculating. So most guys can masturbate and be done in three minutes, okay? They just get all excited. So now you're looking at your own internal desire, need for sex. You're not being stimulated outside. It will come up in boys within seven days or three days. You've got this big erection saying, I got to do something. Then you practice really light stimulation and you get to the point where you're soon going to have an orgasm and then you stop and you walk around, you do something, you become a little softer. Then you go back, it'll come right back and you practice until you can do a good half an hour of stimulation and feel some pleasure, but you don't go all the way. What you're doing is building up your capacity to sustain pleasure in your body. Literally, it's men can't hold that much pleasure. They just get excited and want to release it, be done with it, as opposed to training your body to go slow and enjoy and enjoy, but not depending upon this porn stimulation or anything external. Then when you're with a girlfriend or your wife, you don't have this quick ejaculation, but you're able to sustain yourself for 30 minutes of intercourse. Or maybe you get 10 minutes, rest a little bit, 10 minutes, change positions, do another 10 minutes, so forth. What that does is trains the body, and then your semen builds up inside. And after about two to three months of that, you have so much, you haven't released that energy. If you can build up for two or three months with arousal every day without releasing, then the stage of arousal is an orgasm. In the beginning, you got to build up. Your, your energy builds and it plateaus and you orgasm. That's the basic Masters and Johnson thing. Arousal, plateau, then orgasm. So arousal is, is exciting. You know, everything's really exciting. And then it kind of comes, okay, this is good. So after arouses, you let it come down. The next level of arousal is higher. And you come down. And 30 minutes later, the next level of arousal is an orgasm, just like the same level of energy as you had before. But you have to be able to build your body up to having this orgasmic arousal. And orgasmic arousal really only comes if you've had like three weeks to three months in the beginning of no ejaculation. So it builds up and it builds up. And your pleasure is the same as much more than a real orgasm, but you didn't ejaculate. So that's a later advanced stage. It's like learning to play basketball. You're not going to hit it in the hoop every time. <laughs> it takes practice, but the practice increases the pleasure if you don't ejaculate in your practice. And then just the health benefits of that, right? Because we're increasing. So this is male increasing testosterone, decreasing cardiovascular disease, anti-aging, right? Increasing muscle, bone health. I mean, we will see that and that's the natural experience. Now, just for my women listening, that's why we have Jolva, y'all, as we're getting older. Jolva, John, is I created Jolva. It's an anti-aging cream for the vulva that helps with vaginal dryness with some great natural ingredients. So like- I love it. I love it. (laughs) 
as we, you know, like that one thing that is my criticism, I lecture to anti-aging groups and many groups that are just pushing testosterone versus understanding why it's low versus getting our bodies to produce it naturally. And, and I'm very critical of that because often in, you know, exogenous testosterone leads to divorce. It leads to, again, decreasing your body's own natural testosterone. So you're dependent on an exogenous substance. But I mean, there's a time and a place for sure, but to be really conscientious about what it's doing to our mind as well. But that sense that, okay, we can do this for a guy, but the women, if she's having vaginal dryness and discomfort and it hurts every time we have sex, I mean, you know, we say that is why foreplay is so important, y'all, right? <laughs> that's critical. But well, that, that's few, part of it. I'll say a few things for the women, okay? You should Fair. be lubricating. She should be, ideally, she's lubricating before you put the penis in and before you even need the lotion. The lotion is going to heal the vagina and I'm totally into that. But as far as foreplay goes, the breast, stimulation of the breast, according to this 6,000-year-old Taoist philosophy, is the first orgasm. So if it doesn't orgasm touching the breast, this could be 20 minutes on the, on the breast. Many women are real sensitive to the breast, don't even want their breast touched. And that's because they need their breast massaged. So a good 10, 15 minutes of self-massage every day, you'll find these little places that are either painful or bumps, and you massage around. I mean, this is very, in China, a practice women do to stay healthy and not have breast cancer is these breast massages. But once you've been massaging your breast regularly, then when a man touches your breast, it's ex exceptionally exciting. And so this is the beginning of lubrication down south before he goes in. I have a remedy as well for vaginal as well, a form of aloe vera special form of aloe vera that's helpful. I want to find out what yours is and recommend it. If you'll email me, I appreciate that. I will um, send you Because women need this. It's so, so, so important. But ideally, at least before menopause, when you can really develop a lot of these abilities, if you can do the breast massage so that you don't even think about needing lubrication. Everybody's always put on the lubrication and go in. That's way too soon. You know, mm -hmm. you want to let the body, the, the woman's body is going to lubricate and say, okay, now it's time to come in. That's the best time. It's going to be most enjoyable to her to come in at that time. So you've already done some clitoral stimulation. You can use lubrication for clitoral stimulation, but even more, you get the lubrication. If I'm going for the clitoris, I want to first find if there's any juice in there. If there's no juice coming out, it's time to go back to the neck, to the ears, to the kissing, to the conversation, to the saying, I love you. That, you know, this is where women start is up here. Then it goes to the breasts and the breasts need to be, feel good to be touched until you can indirect nipple stimulation and then gradually sucking on the nipples and kissing the nipples and all of that sucking will help produce the oxytocin, which then raises their estrogen, lubricates their vagina. And now it's time to visit. And even yeah. visiting is men have to know you don't go all the way in <laughs> four zones and the vagina, the first outside zone, just little bit in, just the head going in and out, head in and out, in and out. then coming out, doing the clitoris for a while, then going in, going in, just so she has an orgasm there. Then you're going to go in for the G spot. That's another, you get a good angle going on that one. You do that, you have an orgasm there. Then you go beyond that. There's another point you go into. Then you circle the cervix. You know, once she's had three or four orgasms, the cervix will come down. Masters and Johnson filmed this. The cervix will come down. And then when you touch that, it's like, explosions of pleasure for both the man and the woman. You know, this is, you can circle the cervix, you move like a, around, all kinds of things the Chinese figured out. 
that Americans are still just babies at in terms of our learning sexual education. Yeah, and I think that's huge too, especially for women too, just to recognize though for some, it's just, it's uncomfortable. There's endometriosis, there's um, even post-surgical, like post-leap or cryotherapy, the cervix, but that can be just like, you know, you can reawaken the nerves, the nerves of the clitoris, the vagina, the vulva, the penis, right? You can reawaken sensation. You can for the cervix too. And, and I talk about that in another, podcast, but it is really critical to understand for women too. It's often the lighter touch, slower and more energetic interaction. Yes, energetic. I mean, yeah. the idea is once the energy is flowing, just holding the penis inside, her body will have orgasm and orgasm without him having to thrust all the time. Men always want to pound and pound. There's a place for that sometimes, but she has to be able to control him and let him know what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And often she doesn't want to say anything and she can if he, right. she does it in a way that says you're doing so good. Oh, I just want to hold you now inside. Oh, I have orgasms just feeling your penis inside me. Oh, go so slow. Oh, that feels so much better when it goes slow. Those kind of messages, men don't have a clue. They don't understand. You know, so this is like communication. Communication, I, the ABCs of sexual CPR, acceptance, be present, communicate, right? ABC. Yes. <laughs> And I think that's it. It's just being able to, in a loving, nurturing way, I mean, and it's, the, it's the most vulnerable thing. Sexual intimacy is, in my experience, the most vulnerable thing for a couple, for a man or woman. So being a really positive coach is, is huge. You've given us so much information. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I, I, one, one other throw in here, which I would love to hear your thoughts on, but as single women often are making love with their vibrator. That's a little bit like porn. Porn overstimulates the male. Vibrator can overstimulate a woman. First, her need for a man becomes less because she's got her vibrator. And second is she can overstimulate that area and a man can never stimulate like that. So again, it's, it's conditioning your body to come back to realness stimulates. And the third thing when it comes to vibrators, I'm not against them totally, okay? Just moderate use, everything moderate is always good, but is... In the old days, when women were hysterical, women used to have this hysteria, that was due to too much estrogen. And so the Western Medical Society, you know all this, but not everybody knows this, is they used to paddle women's clitoris to take away anxiety. They'd go into the doctor's office and they have a vibrator that would paddle her clitoris and she'd have an orgasm, and then her anxiety would lessen. And But she was dependent on that to come in again and again. So the way I look at that is she, her anxiety, her fainting, her can't handle life kind of thing was too much estrogen and paddling her brought her to her male side. And that then brought some balance into her life. So if women today are trying most to get to their female side, maybe they don't need to be paddled to get back to their male side because they're trying to get away from their male side. But to actually have a man paddle you, real finger, real tongue, that puts you in your female side where you surrender because either you're surrendering to a vibrator, which isn't real surrender, or you're surrendering to a man, which, which is, I only say this to motivate men, motivate women to get out there and find a guy to paddle you, <laughs> to, to give you, to be outside of you touching you. And then people say, well, can't you just touch yourself? And I say, yeah, you can always touch yourself. How is that different from getting a massage. You can massage your body. There'll be some health benefits. But what if somebody else is massaging you? It's such a different experience. And so this is the reality of finding a partner. Often they call friends with benefits. We like each other. We're friends. And we learn. We can practice this stuff together. We can 
you know, give each other this kind of loving attention and stimulation. And so to get out of the whole idea that you have to be madly in love with someone in order to have sex with them, you could be good friends with them, have loving affection. And this is something men can do for women as a huge gift for women and something women can do for men. So we sort of take the even intercourse out of the whole picture, because that can make babies or whatever, take intercourse out and just talk about massaging each other in a sexual way is something that I believe everybody should be doing once they become adults. This is something we need as human beings to feel pleasure in our body awakens us to feeling our emotions and women need it more than men. Okay. This is for women to come back to their female side. Going back to the vibrator, I mean, there are so many topics there. I think we have to definitely, as women, pleasuring pleasuring with a male partner is going to increase oxytocin and an artificial bond, right? Unless that's what you're saying, you know, like we have a good relationship, we're friends, we're safe, a safe partnership, it's non-intercourse related massaging. That concept still, we're increasing oxytocin. There's a bond that's forming, and for that being in a relationship where it's not right partner or a situation you know is not necessarily going anywhere, then that may keep you from having the relationship with the right partner. So there's thoughts around that that I have, John. So and the other part, back to the vibrator, is it can cause damage, right? It can cause nerve damage to the clitoris. There are over 9,000 nerve endings. So again, as periodic, once in a while, but self-pleasuring, you know, knowing, accepting, massaging all parts of your body, that awareness is really important. And Ariel Four told me one time, she said, you know, Anna, you got to have sex before you go on a date. I'm like, what? She goes, well, make sure you like, I, I think S, get a good night's sleep, eat something and then self-pleasure or maybe S was self-pleasure. I forget, you know, self-pleasure before. You. Yes, absolutely. But with, and, but with your body, with regular touch and, and my thing for women, okay, I'll just add to it. Ariel's brilliant. Is fantasize in your fantasy that either this man or a man is touching you. Your mind is very powerful in the fantasy of it. But a vibrator sort of take that away. It's, it does cause, I mean, you're doctor talking, so I'll say what you said, can cause damage. I was shocked one time when Dr. Oz said it could shrink it. <laughs> said, Decrease sensitivity for sure. Yeah, for sure. And make it harder to have an orgasm or climax yeah. on your own too. Right. So, but touching is all right. And also when you're touching to keep fantasizing someone actually loving you and giving you that. Cause I'm a big believer in imagining success and then imagine it's real. That helps pull that into your life. There's no doubt about that. But if you're just touching yourself and not using fantasy, it's like you're doing it to yourself. And that's more of a male thing to do mm. it yourself as opposed to depend on someone else to bring you pleasure. It was a wonderful conversation topic. I tell you, we've hit on so much more. Let me tell you, you know, we wanted to, I wanted to hit just on monogamy and the fate of marriage in our upcoming world. Cause I says, as, as you know, married couples are like, you know, well, as a single woman, it's like, oh my God, I can't wait to be married. And then when you're married, you're like, oh my God, I got to be single. You know, like, help me, get me in, get me out. I can't live with them, can't live without them. But definitely learning these tools to have good communication, have a lifetime romance. I want to visualize myself, you know, 50 years from now, rocking on a chair, looking over a community that we're absolutely involved with and have helped and supported and raised with generations around us and rocking mm -hmm. on that chair, dancing, living, laughing, celebrating life. And, and having sex. And having sex, absolutely. Yeah. Having intimacy, connection, yes. 
feeling, not just being in love, but feeling in love and keeping that energy alive. So, so that's really critical. And, and I feel like there are so many forces in today's society that are pulling us, pulling marriages apart from media, from TV, from sitcoms, from, you know, even our friendship and our friend groups too, right? We know that if a friend has a divorce, the couples in that friends group are 300% more likely to divorce too. And as well as sometimes bad counseling, but learning the skills to communicate, what are your thoughts like? Yeah. And just in five minutes, the two minutes we have left, could you just please summarize what's going to keep monogamy and marriages together? (laughs) You know, you kind of said it all just then. I, I love your vision, but ultimately it's the good communication outside the bedroom that makes it safe for women to open up in the bedroom It's good sexual skills in the bedroom on the man's part. It is so important. I mean, she has to guide him in all of that, but they they need to be having great sex, which means that a man's not ejaculating every time. He's desiring her every day. He doesn't lose that interest. When a woman feels desired, not demanded upon, but desired, and so her body is being responsive because there's not that break every time they have sex. You know, it's it just like it desensitizes a couple from that those beginning feelings because you haven't yet felt the separation from it will occur when people have orgasm and men ejaculate. If she's going to be abandoned every time she has sex. Her body will just shut down that part of her. I don't want to go there. It's, mm-hmm. it's just not where I want to be. So it's learning these advanced sexual skills that I think make your dream a reality. But you also have to be practical. You've got to have a, a life outside the bedroom. You've got to have compatibility. You've got good skills. You have to learn not to fight with each other. You know, that's such a killer. That's the other side of killing romance. And, you know, that's a whole subject, but I'll briefly say that one, which is men's anger. I'll just say at 23 years of my marriage, I asked Bonnie, I said, okay, honey, tell me how I rate as a husband. And she said, oh, you know, as a father to our children, I can't imagine a better father. You are the best. As a husband, you're not perfect. <laughs> but You've given me the greatest gift any woman could want. I said, what's that? And she said, I know I can say and do things that make you angry. But every time you get angry, you stop talking, you go to your cave, you do some magic, and you come out with more love. We have grown in love. Every time something happens between us, you come back with more love and having learned something. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed. I don't know how you do it. But I know there's nothing I can say or do that will ever cause you to leave me. And that is the greatest gift a man can give a woman. He's always growing in love. And women need that if they're going to grow as women and the intimacy is going to continue to grow. So that's a little thing in there about anger and what helps men to realize, why can't I get angry? I say, okay, go ahead. You can be angry, but then go away. Go handle your anger. Don't don't talk. Because when men are angry and they talk, it just makes their anger increase. This is, it's estrogen. When women are angry because they're out of balance and they can talk about it. Estrogen goes back, their hormones can balance. So she feels heard. She will go into balance. But if a man's angry, uh, it just becomes angrier and angrier and angrier. He needs to come back to testosterone, not estrogen. So this is testosterone, estrogen, kind of simplistic, but it's male energy, female energy. If you're angry, you're on your female side. If you're a man, go back to your male side, disconnect. Do what you need to do to feel good, successful, happy, fulfilled, producing your testosterone. Then the most masculine thing there is is called accountability. Then look at what happened and look at how you contributed to it and what you can do differently so it won't happen again. That's masculinity. And what women have to do after those, when she takes her time to go talk and share with her friends and express her emotions to come back into balance, 
What she has to do is come back into balance, open heart, and accept, forgive, appreciate. See, that's what women, forgiveness is a woman's journey of learning to accept, appreciate, trust. He's doing his best. He's not perfect, but look at all the good stuff he does for me. So it's finding that place of coming back to center for her. And for men, it's coming back to that place of center for them is, oh, what I did didn't work because it was the wrong thing to do. I said that, I did this. Or what can I do differently in the future? How can I make a change? What can I adjust? How can I adjust to make her happier? So this is a dance that we have to increase yang energy for men, increase yin energy as women. Then women can come back to their male side and be in balance. And she can look at, okay, how did I contribute to that problem? And he can come back to his female side and love his partner more and, and, and be forgiving of her and so forth. It's not like we're just male or female. It's that we have our priorities. He's got to come back to his masculine before he can go back to his female. She's got to come back to her female before she comes to her male side, which is how she's accountable. I mean, we're all accountable for the problems we create in life if we're connected to the part of us that's both masculine and feminine, which is our spirit. That's why this is all happening as the world's become more conscious, we're more free to be ourselves. So on a spiritual level, you're male and female. But as a physical embodiment, women got female hormones, men got men hormones. You know, you got to honor your body's priorities and then you can go to the other side to find balance. Mm, yeah, well, that is, those are good words. So a lot of good lessons here. And tell our listeners, John, where they can get more of you. Well, they can get more of me at marsvenus.com or just Google Mars Venus or Google me and it will come up. But marsvenus.com and there's free videos all the time. There's talks I do and there's a store there where I talk about also nutritional supplements and different things you can take. I, I feel that there's some Chinese herbs that help women balance hormones, uh, which are really good. I recommend those. And I, uh, lithium orotate is something I recommend to stop the brain from looping. It's really, really powerful. Not the, the one that, which is prescribed. This is low-dose lithium mm -hmm. orotate. has a huge impact for many women. And then other type of health issues that I talk about, little 10-minute videos. So that's education. But I think we have to look at the body as well as the mind, you know, and the heart. They all go together. Mm, I agree. Mind, body, heart, keeping us together and also, you know, in community and in communication. So I thank you for sharing your wisdom today. And uh, for our listeners, marsvenus.com, John Gray, I mean, just search, you'll find him everywhere. And it has been truly an honor to have you on the show today with us. And I've, I've got to get you back. So I'm going to have to bring you back and we got to hit more topics that I definitely want to hear your input on and, and share your wisdom with my community. And I love that. Thank you. Thank you. So for our listeners, please definitely share this podcast with those you love and those in your community that you know need to hear these messages as well. I want to thank you guys for giving us these great ratings. And I love hearing your comments and hearing your questions. And I know you're going to have questions after today's podcast. So email those in. You can email us at team at drannikabecca.com. And I will have more questions for John the next time I bring him back as well. So thank you guys. And I'll see you next week on Couch Talk.